Welcome to Radio KBPV, Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, a podcast about the history of southwestern Alberta, presented by Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village of Pincher Creek, a museum complex that documents the stories of Western Canada's agricultural settlement through the preservation of local buildings and artifacts among a six-acre park. Pincher Creek is a town of 3,700 souls in a vast rural trading area of some 3,000 rural dwellers. A vibrant region of rolling prairie, foothills, the Rocky Mountains, the Pecani First Nation, Waterton Lakes National Park, the Crow's Nest Pass, and the Upper River Watershed of the South Saskatchewan River Basin. Join us in this podcast where we present walking tours of our buildings and hear the stories of the farmers, townsmen, cowboys, mounties, pioneer women, politicians, chroniclers, miners, railroaders, and so many other significant histories of this particular corner of Canada. Hello and welcome back to Radio KBPV. This is Ranger Gord Tolton speaking to you live and in isolation, um, situated in place in my home office. Obviously, I'm not at Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. We are still in the the lockdown phase of this unprecedented uh, world event. But we're trying to do our best to bring you a few services that you can listen to in your own home uh, safely, bringing you up and keeping your interest uh, in the museum and in Pincher Creek history alive. Now, before the uh, this situation occurred, in fact, just days before this situation occurred, we had just completed a large rebuilding of our general store um, display that we have in the beer exhibition hall on the grounds. And in fact, we were uh, ready; to, everything was all set to go ahead with a gala opening with supper and choral singing, entertainment. But obviously, the As they tend to say, if you want God to laugh, just tell him your plans, because before that we had to uh, not only postpone the coronavirus, but by the day of the the event itself, we were, along with everybody else, in quarantine. So when the day arrives, when we can reopen, we will um, get a new date going for that gala opening, and you'll be able to see what we've done down there, and it's a... A very nice uh, tribute to Pincher Creek's commercial history. And that's what we're going to talk to t- about today here on the podcast. It Today it is Tuesday, April 11th, and I'm going to read, uh, we're going to do an episode of Farley's Frontier Chronicles. And this is more of what Farley Wuth, our curator and uh, eminent historian at Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village has put together. Uh, these are sort of what what Farley does. He's he's got capsule histories about just about anything um, going on with uh, Pincher Creek and area history. And uh, those of you who read Shooting the Breeze or Pincher Creek Echo over the years know that he has had this column. Now this is going to be a two part column of one written put it into one single podcast. And these appeared April first and April 8th editions of of Shooting the Breeze. So without further ado, we're going to move on here, and we're going to talk about a history of one of Pitcher Creek's thriving uh, department stores, and that was called the Fraser McRoberts. Now, in past years, and uh, on, on the podcast itself, you've heard us talk quite a bit about the Hudson's Bay Company as we have reopened the uh, 
Art Hudson's Bay exhibit, or I should say rather than reopening, a recreation of the Hudson's Bay Company as it sat in place in Pincher Creek uh, from the 1890s until its demise in 1913, or the building's demise, the bay itself is still alive. But we're going to talk a little bit about what happened on that location of the Hudson's Bay Company store. The, the bay had been in Pincher Creek from 1886 up until November 1913, 27 years. And on its location, um, Fraser McRoberts opened its department store. So let's go back in time a little bit to November 1913 and a devastating fire that left a very significant void in the Pincher Creek Business District. During an evening in November, a fire of unknown in origin began in the Hudson's Bay Complex. That uh, Today, if you want to position that on Pincher Creek's Main Street, it is the corner of Main Street and Police Avenue. Now, for those of you who are like myself and don't speak in terms of, of official names of streets and avenues, um, sometimes you need landmarks. So it, this one's very easy. This is the uh, exact site where the provincial government of Alberta building sits, the big brown brick building that houses the courthouse and um, Alberta Parks Department and other local government offices. To further situate you, it's across the street from the 7-Eleven, and it also sits across the street from the Rexall drugstore. So that should give you uh, a good orientation of, of the location we're talking about. Now, when the Bay Company fire took out that complex in, 19, in November 1913, we were just a month away from Christmas, and it left a bit of a void in the business district. Uh, the local economy was booming thanks to immigration that was still bringing in settlers and pioneers into the, the area to, uh, to take up land and to also establish their own uh, businesses or enterprises in, within the area. Now, the community's population in just 10 years had quadrupled from 300 to 1,200 between 1901 and 1911. And that had resulted in a consumer demand for mercantile stores in the settlement. The Hudson Bay Company had been one of them. The other one had been the Timothy LaBelle and Company store. And fortunately, that is one of the buildings that is still with us on, on Main Street in, as uh, the Royal Canadian Legion. But although the boom was slowed down with the advance of the First World War, local commerce still demanded a second big store. So over the ashes and on the site of the Hudson's Bay Company, which never reopened in the town, the Fraser McRoberts Company was established in September of 1916. Now this new endeavor had its historic origins in the community, also in the First World War outbreak, uh, predating the First World War outbreak. And it came from the merger of two important firms, Fraser Brothers and W.J.E. McRoberts. And they joined together to establish this business partnership. The Fraser Brothers operated in Pitcher Creek for nearly a decade in a variety of capacities. William A. Fraser was born in 1875 in Ontario and developed a business experience through stores he operated in the early 1900s, and one of the first being a dry goods store after he had moved west to establish in the Crow's Nest Pass, and the second being a store in Lacombe, which he operated for two years. He returned to the area in 1906 and purchased a dry goods store previously owned by Mr. McEachran on Main Street, Pincher Creek. And that was a business partnership that was actually 
uh, with Fraser and Scotty Freebairn, and they expanded the business into ladies' wear. William Fraser's younger brother was Samuel, better known amongst his friends as, well, Sam. And he was a carpenter by trade, and he arrived three years after William's move to, to the area. And the two siblings moved their in enterprise into a second building. Now, our second part of Fraser McRoberts is William J. E. McRoberts, born in October 1879, also in Ontario, and he caught the business bug as well. He arrived in 1910, and he had experience operating hard hardware stores in New Lisgard, Ontario, and in the ghost town of Lille. And Lille is a, uh, a mining community that grew up above what we now know of as the Frank Slide. And there he had purchased the hardware store of Ormand and Alexander. So with both the Frasers and the McRobertses' businesses in Pincher Creek, known for up-to-date business methods, and also accompanied by their own people skills. So having uh, formed their partnership, Fraser and McRoberts saw a prime commercial opportunity that fulfilled the community need and expanded their own enterprising profits. And thus was born a massive two-story brick building on the south of Main Street. Construction on the building started in early 1916, thanks to building plan plans drawn up by E. Aulet and supervised by that same man in conjunction with the Frasers. Work was completed in time for a grand opening the following September. Overseeing the brickworks end of the building were Bob Hedrick, Albert Woods, and G. Landowner. And that building was put together and for an estimated $15,000 for the construction costs. So that gives you an idea of, uh, of where inflation we are over uh, a period of over a century now. The structure measured some 60 by 90 feet and faced grandly out onto Main Street with a series of plate glass windows that ran the full width of the store. Prism glass was used in an attempt to spread the natural light coming through the windows throughout the main floor. The windows were enclosed on the back and top by paneled woodwork which assisted in keeping the glass clean and frost free. And that latter was especially important in the cold winter months that we experienced. The building was steam heated based on a plumbing system installed by local handyman Stanley Pearson. Fred Rhodes was responsible for the electrical work. The fixtures included a semi-indirect type which reflected light onto the ceiling and then down below in an attempt to outdo interior shadows caused by floor displays. 200 candle power oxygen lamps were used to supplement the store's lighting and there were nine such units installed on the main floor alone. Now the building itself was on, uh, on a basement that had been dug years previously by the Hudson's Bay Company, so there was a foundation to, to set upon. And that was a savings that significantly cut down on the excavating work and cost. It had the same, thus, it had the same dimensions as the, uh, as the original store and eventually featured a cement floor, a very up-to-date convenience in an era when most basements were little more than root cellars with dirt floors. Housed in the lower level were harness and tin shops accompanied by crockery and produce departments and services which the Frasers and McRoberts all considered essential activities of their department store. A large portion of the basement was also dedicated to storage. The main floor, which provided 5,000 square feet of display and work area, housed the bulk of the store's business operations. Several departments were established in that area. Occupying 1,400 square feet on the structure's west side, was the dry goods and ladies wear department. 
On the opposite east side was the hardware department, and it ran straight back to the rear of the store, measuring some 1,700 square feet of floor space. Strategically placed between these two departments was the men's furnishings department, which also allotted some 1,300 square feet. At the rear or south end of the store was the grocery department, occupying only 100 square feet, but proudly exclaiming its modern equipment. Walker bin fixtures, a new feature of 1916, assisted in keeping sales items clean and well organized. Now let's see what was upstairs at Fraser McRoberts. Now aside from the shops and departments located in the basement on the main floor, the complex boasted a second floor, situated at the rear or south side of the store. Public access was provided via a door and store case at the east side of the building. The upper floor ran the full south width of the building and incorporated with a sweeping balcony, a commanding view of the main floor some nine feet below. The second floor was multifunctional. Four spacious offices finished in dark wood were situated at the top of the stairs. Local folklore indicates that two of these Local folklore indicates that two of these offices may have been used by the Fraser McRoberts Company itself. The third one was rented out over the years to the Forestry Department. And that's very interesting because Alberta Parks Department, which is the current Forestry Department, is still on location in the current provincial building. The fourth office served as the medical office of local physician Dr. J.J. Gillespie, who had previously been located in the Scott Block. Uh, less than a block to the further west on, down on Maine. And a lavatory, complete with a flushing toilet. A real novelty during the pioneer era. And I'm sure they were well stocked with toilet paper. Well, that rest area was popular with local seniors and rural customers who could require a break from their shopping. In the far west corner of the second floor was a well-equipped sewing room occupied by Miss Frances Chapeau who was a milliner and a dressmaker. She resided in Pincher Creek with her younger siblings, Joseph and Alberta, the former of whom managed the Alberta livery stable owned by the Robbins family. Yet the true feature of the second floor was its massive hall and recreation room, measuring an astonishing 2,730 square feet. It was remembered by locals for its highly polished hardwood floor. A stage was located in the middle of the hall south end was adorned on either side by dressing rooms. Advertised in the local press as early as 1916 without doubt being one of the coziest and best equipped dance halls in the province. This hall was in the midst of a favored commercial outlet and that proved to be very popular to the, to the public who were looking for entertainment and could use the hall where they could listen to local and big time bands through the 1920s and 1930s. And now let's talk about the business partnerships and a few of the employees. The Fraser McRoberts department store saw many prominent businessmen as either a partner or employee during the 30 years following its opening of 1916. And of course, we talked uh, at length about the company name, uh, where that comes from, Fraser and McRoberts, and it was said that there were two other owners in the partnership. These additional businessmen were a 25-year-old man named Reginald Brown, and a local physician, Dr. Edward L. Connor. Brown was an accountant with the Pincher Creek branch of the Bank of Commerce, which that indicates, of course, where the company did its banking. And that, of course, is the Turcotte building that is now, uh, today, in Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. Dr. Connor practiced medicine in Pincher Creek from 1908 to 1916 in an office just east of the new business complex. 
and he subsequently set up a practice in Lethbridge, though he maintained business interests in Pincher Creek. Now, a big corporate change came about in 1928 when William McRoberts purchased the partnership interests of W.A. Fraser. The other two partners had apparently had dropped out of the picture. McRoberts operated the store as sole owner up until his, his passing on February 28, 1939, at the age of 59. At that point, the store's ownership was divided among his five siblings and two local business people who had previous connections with the place of commerce. McRoberts' siblings included one brother and four sisters, one of whom was Mrs. Mary Miller, who also resided in Pincher Creek. And for years, Mr. Miller had been the bookkeeper for the store. He had succeeded Harry Clements, who had previously also served as bookkeeper during the 1920s. The other two new business partners included Vern Burns, whose longtime connection with the store began as an employee at the age of 12 years old. His father, Alex Burns, had served the old Hudson's Bay Company store on the same location. And the final partner to discuss is Miss, Mrs. Beatrice McMurdo. The final partner to discuss was Mrs. Beatrice Duffy McMurdo, who was known to her friends as Trixie. Trixie's husband, Alex B. B. McMurdo, also known as Mac, was popular in musical circles as a long, and was a long-time employee of the store's hardware department. He worked for the Fraser McRoberts business uh, the entire 30-year history. Mac McMurdo worked for the entire 30-year history of the Fraser McRoberts store, and he also insisted in the digging of the drainage ditch from the store to the creek when the building was constructed. So that also tells us that we're in a time before sewers. So I'm uh, really glad we don't have drainage ditches running from the stores to the creek these days. A few other employees of the Fraser McRoberts store over the years included Adam Lee's Fairbairn, better known as Scotty Fairbairn, who served as the store's first dry goods manager. And of course, later he operated his own ladies' wear store in Pincher Creek. Harry Perkis, who was also active in local musical circles, served as the manager of the hardware department. Archie McCarricker, who enjoyed both a business and farming career, managed the grocery department, and W.A. Fraser managed the gents' furnishing. Other employees included Fra the W.A. Fraser's brother Sam, Alex Scott, F. Telford, V. McKinnon, Henry Marquis, also a former Hudson's Bay Company employee, Mrs. Walsh, Miss Ralston, Mrs. Jack Buchan, I'm sorry I don't have uh, names for these people, Miss McKinnon, and uh, Jim Staples. Each made their own special contributions to the store's success. Although the Fraser McRoberts Company Limited started its business in 1916 on a cash-only basis, this was a reflection of the rough times witnessed during the First World War. The store built up a steady clientele from both within the town and the surrounding rural districts, with a large selection of merchandise, favorable prices, and attentive store owners and clerks who also were local residents. As a result, the store thrived during good times and managed to survive the tough economic conditions prevalent during the 1930s in the Great Depression. But with the deaths of the original business partners and the economic changes at the end of the Second World War, the company believed it was time for a change, so it was put up for sale. The business and the property was purchased by the Pincher Creek Cooperative Association effective June 1, 1946, and several of the employees including Verd Burns and Mac McMurdo, continued on staff with the new ownership. 
The Fraser McRoberts Department Store indeed was a local landmark with a vibrant 30-year history from 1916 to 1946. Now, this article was based upon archival documents housed at the Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village Family Recollections and Census Records. Now, once we reopen, uh, once the COVID crisis has passed and we've been given the all clear, you'll be able to see our general store that reflects items from all aspects of the Fraser Roberts Department Store and also from the days of the, the early days of the Pincher Creek Cooperative Association, Timothy LaBelle, and so many of, of our local merchants um, from the Pincher Creek and Southwest Alberta area. So that's going to do it for now for Farley's Frontier Chronicles. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. This episode was researched and written by historians Farley Wood and Gord Tolton. This podcast is recorded and engineered by Gord Tolton. Episodes can be found at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcatcher. Visit our website at www.kootenaybrown.ca. Kootenay is spelled K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I. Also, visit and join our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more information on our museum, or even better, visit us at 1037 Beverly McLaughlin Drive in beautiful Pincher Creek, Alberta. 